Your Partner in Success Radio is a free business podcast with host Denise Griffiths. It's all about great stories, conversation, and context to help you move your business and life forward with actionable tips and advice from her guest experts. To listen and subscribe, just find us on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you consume your podcasts. Welcome to your Partner in Success Radio. I'm your host, Denise Griffiths, and this podcast is ranked in the top 2% of the most popular podcasts globally, and honestly, it's all because of my incredible guests, and I am honored and blessed to share time with people who are at the top of their game and who are here willing to help you get to where you want to be in life and in business. These are not people who hold back. Their goal is to share with us the essence of peak performance, and they do every time they show up here. So today our topic is relearning what community means with my guest and friend, Lucas Root. Now, Lucas joins us today to answer questions about community. What are the elements of community? How do these elements build and support business? How can business owners engage? What is an adult? I actually want to know the answer to that one. I don't adult most days, to be honest. So as a seasoned veteran of Wall Street and a business guide for companies like Wells Fargo and Pokemon, Lucas sees what companies need to do to make the leap to big-time growth and success. And he has spent the past seven years relearning what community means. And he has begun to deploy his knowledge, ideas, and approach to new areas, including his new podcast, Elements of Community. Listen to it. It's good. And his businesses. And he is also a lifelong learner and is excited for every new chapter in this life, particularly this one. So, Lucas, are you here? Can you hear me? I'm here. Hi. How's our connection? It sounds good. I was panicking. Did you get the 100 emails I just sent you? Of course. They all came. Oh, good. (laughs) (laughs) It's good to have you. As I I mentioned before, you've been here before. I think this is, I can't remember, this is your third or fourth time you've been here. It is. It's the third time. I'm excited. Me too. And, and you have and so, so far much to every share. chat we've had has been great. It it is. And you know, we we have other things that we do outside of just talking on the podcast. I mean you and our mutual friend Mitchell Levy, you know, share the Credibility Nation, which I just took that, joined that, and that was pretty amazing. So, you know, we're always kind of in touch, but before we get you know, before I get all excited here Tell people about you and tell people what you're up to these days. Thank you. Um, yeah, <laughs> I'm excited. I, I uh, so you you correctly said I I spent a long time on Wall Street, 17 years doing mergers and acquisitions, um, and then I launched my business strategy consulting firm eight years ago, uh, and landed the Pokemon Company as my first client, which was. Um, absolutely amazing, and I'm still with them now eight years later. Um, and it's been a hell of a journey uh, working with the Pokemon Company and my other clients. Somewhere between four and five years ago, um, you know, not being on Wall Street and surrounded by that frenetic environment, which isn't a bad thing, uh, helped build me into who I am now, but it freed up some open headspace. And I started looking around at the world in a totally different way, um, not just as a business strategist, but um, I, I guess in hindsight, 
and I haven't used these words before, so you heard it here first. <laughs> In hindsight, I, I look at it kind of like um, as a human strategist. Um, and some some really cool, really big ideas started popping into my head, among which is this fresh approach to what it means to be human um, and how community weaves into that. Um, and so about a year ago, I made the decision to stop taking on new business strategy clients, which was a really big decision for me. Um, as I said, my my consulting company's been open for eight years, so um, that's a that's a huge pivot. Um, you know, really planting my foot on the ground and saying this is the line, and and beyond which I I actually want to focus a hundred percent on community and on helping people build and grow and understand community and what that means to be um, a, a member of the world that we live in today. And, you know, you and I had a big conversation about this about a week ago, and we're kind of both heading down the same path. I'm shifting a bit away from the work that I've been doing for quite a while. I'm not ending it, but I'm not like you. I'm not taking on new clients right now. I need to be more in the podcast industry more than I have been. And we talked a lot about that, and I was scribbling notes, and, you know, my brain was just on fire. But community and people... And I had a couple of people say, what does he mean by community? My attitude about community or my insight after speaking with you about community is that there are so many things happening in the world right now, how we communicate or don't communicate, that community is is more and more important because we need to know how we can be helpful to one another, how you can help me, how I can help you, how we can show up, as you said so poignantly, as human. And there's an awful lot of stuff that's happening online in particular where I wonder sometimes if we're losing our humanity. Yeah. Mm. What an amazing prompt. I agree. <laughs> I wonder sometimes if we're losing our humanity. Um a couple of really amazing things have happened over the last, and I, I'm going to go really big here, over the last 200 years. One of them is that technology has changed the way that we can interact as humans. First, it changed that by changing the speed with which we could move between towns. And all of a sudden, the, the speed and ease of moving between towns physically, it helped us um, step into a new age. And that new age was that community and village did not any longer need to be synonymous. So this this core right. grouping of... Isn't that cool? <laughs> this, it this is. Core and I have grouping. to tell you really quickly, I live in the Deep South. I live not too far from the Gulf of Mexico. You eat a lot of really good fresh food. But when I first moved here, I wasn't born here, but I've been here long enough to consider myself a Southerner. My mother always said that I was born with a bit of an accent. Apparently, I was not where I needed to be growing up. But <laughs> when when I first moved here, I would hear, because I'm in the middle of Cajun country, and it's a different kind of an attitude. It's a different way of speaking. And 
listen, you have to be here a year before you can understand a word they say. I'm just going to tell you right now. It's a difficult patois, I guess, to understand. But once you get it, but I would hear, back to your point, I would hear all the time, well, you know, where are you going to be today? Well, we're traveling. Well, where are you going the next town over? That was traveling. They were so accustomed to being you know, put in their little towns, you know, over the 100 years or 200 years or whatever it was, that traveling, you know, to, let's say, Lafayette or to Baton Rouge, that was travel. That was kind of an all-day thing. They would make a day of it. And to to be honest, they still do. But you're right, you know, having to kind of stay in your own little area, no longer, you don't have to anymore. We have cars, we have planes, we have trains. We can go wherever, you know, where we can afford to go these days. Yeah. Um, even, yes, cars, planes, trains, amazing. Um, but even when horses were, were a, a normal part of travel, um, 200 years ago, horses became relatively common. And then... You know, 150 years ago, trains were were the way of the of the world, uh, and and thankfully so. And 100 years ago, the cars sort of became the norm. They were everywhere. You know, Ford made cars cheap enough so that his own employees could could afford them. It it changed the world. So all of a sudden, village and community didn't have to be the same thing. And it's amazing what that did for us. Now we could. Um, now we could have meaningful connection with people who didn't necessarily re- live right next door to us. And that's a technology thing. It, it's, it's amazing. We could have conversations with people who had different points of view because they grew up somewhere else and, and, you know, their family was meaningfully different from the families that were within, you know, a half a mile walk of, of your home. Um, incredible. And we At gather differently time, now, don't we? I mean, we're still gathering, we do. but we're doing it very differently. We do, absolutely. Um, and we have to gather. It turns out when this happened, it also made it possible for us to stop gathering. <laughs> it, made it, it made it possible for us to become relative recluse because groceries could be delivered to your door. Are you pointing your, your finger now, at me? I know you're, you're pointing your finger at me. I can. See I am you. not, but my <laughs> you should. My friendship with you has has helped me think about this differently. Oh, okay. Keep going. I'm now. I'm really curious. Yeah. Um, when when things like uh, groceries were able to be delivered to your door and um, your relationships could become one hundred percent non physical, and and by that I don't just mean. Um, no hugs, but I mean you could actually have relationships that involved zero touch at all. Um, the world changed even further, and that was maybe 20 years ago or so, 25 years ago, not long ago, less than one full generation, right? It, it made it possible for things like um, hacker collectives, people from all over the world that had a, a, a common purpose, something that they thought was really, really important. And I, I talk about hacker collectives intentionally because of where that leads this conversation. But there are lots of other examples of that. Um, you know, you see the, I'm, I'm going to use air quotes here, the biohacking community 
um, which is a hacker collective, right? The biohacking community is, is a whole bunch of people that are looking for different ways to fine-tune and up-level their own, their own bodies and their own minds, their own biology. Um, these, these hacker collectives are people who may never meet physically, who may never interact physically. And because of the fact that we have this technology that makes it possible for us to, exactly as you said, Denise, it makes it possible for us to gather in a non-physical way. Now we can have community that's nothing like village. You know, I'm now that you're saying that out loud, I've always understood that, but never gave it any real thought. I was just kind of going along with the flow. And listen, as this podcast, honestly, and I've done this for 15 years, and I did it deliberately to get to meet people like you because I'm not a people-y person. Three people is too people-y <laughs> for me for most days. It's like, i got to go now. <laughs> and I don't dislike people. I just need to be alone. I think I'm always in my own head. I'm always very creative. People kind of wear me out. I love them. I like to be around people, but mostly for about 59 and three-quarter minutes. That's all I'm good for. <laughs> But finding my way online with this podcast and, you know, just different, the Internet, honestly, is just a godsend for me. But I've got people all over the world that have become my friends. They, like you, they've become my mentors. We do business together. We recommend each other. Have we met physically? No. Will we? Who knows? Probably not. But I consider you a very dear friend of mine. And I think that's one of the big elements of community that we really, I would like to go deeper with you if you can yeah um i love it yes please in my um in my musings my my pontificatings over the last four or five years um i've built a framework and then a year ago you mentioned i i launched a podcast to really sort of throw the spaghetti against the wall and see what sticks see if my framework makes sense see if people agree with it see if there's a path forward with this framework, partly because the word community, which is such a, a core word to humanity, I think, is also not very well understood. If you look it up in the dictionary, the word community more or less means a group of people that, that um, care about each other more than just a group. And that doesn't really mean anything to me. I've read the dictionary definition a bunch of times, and I'm like, no, that's not that, that's not even a basic definition of community. It's it's really just somebody who doesn't understand community. And I'm not chucking rocks at the dictionary here. Instead, I'm saying if we don't understand this thing that's so important to us, then how can we make it valuable, meaningful? How can we build our lives around it? So I built a framework, and I call it the five elements of community. Um, if you'd like, now's the time I can drop them. <laughs> yes, please. I was just going to ask you because I've got a note here, and you had mentioned the five elements, but I never wrote them down. I wanted to hear them no. directly from you. Fun. Awesome. Yes. Thank you. Um, and I'm not holding back. This is I, I, I want everybody in the world to hear this, engage with it, test it, um, challenge it even figure out ways to, to incorporate this into their lives more fully and more deeply. 
community matters far more to me than getting paid 50 cents to, to uh, you know, to, to write a book about it, although I have done that as well because some people like to read, and I, I want to get this message in front of the people who like to read instead of listen. <laughs> um, the five elements of community are this. Um, the first is common language, and uh, that starts with, you know, a base common language like English, but it, but it fine-tunes as you build your community. Um, part of the reason why I brought up hacker collectives, biohacker collectives specifically, but, uh, but other hacker collectives, um, everybody who interacts with a hacker collective, a community, um, based around really fine-tuning something, maybe their computer technology skills, maybe their capacity to, you know, fine-tune their body. But that's what they're trying to do is fine-tune something. Everybody who interacts with those people know that as you get further into that community, you learn a, a whole new language, a whole new way to interact with and describe the things that you're working on. Um, biohacker, the word itself, is a perfect example. It is only meaningful inside the context of that particular collective. Um, and so as you engage as a community and build it, your, your depth in your community, your language will continue to fine-tune and become more and more specific to the way that you engage inside the community. It becomes a unique language, unique to that community. Um, happy to fly through, but you might want to jump in and ask some questions. No, keep on going. I'm writing notes. Nice. Um, I will have questions, I promise. <laughs> I, I know you will. Um, the second one is common purpose. So I, I mentioned this before. You, you have these collectives of people that are getting together focused on a specific purpose. Biohacking is getting better at your at, at up-leveling your body, at understanding your biology, and using that to the advantage of the way that you want to live your life in the world. Um, Denise, you're going down the podcast world, so um, you will start to, to gather more. And of course, when you gather, you will be doing it online, but you'll be gathering more with people that use podcasts as a tool to up-level their business, right? So biohackers are using biology to up-level up their lives. Um, podcasters are using their podcasts as a tool to up-level their business. Um, in, in each case, the focus is that purpose. We're all gathering around a purpose. We're gathering together to move that purpose forward. So the second one is common purpose. Um, the third one is projects. So when we gather, we do things. It's part of what we as humans do. We gather, we do things. Um, when we gather online, we have the opportunity to do things that is much wider than what we might be able to do if we're gathering physically because, you know, when you're gathering physically, you're physically constrained. When you're gathering online, that goes away. You're in your own space. You're comfortable. Um, you know, you can take a bathroom break anytime you want, which is kind of important. Also, you can have 10,000 people gathering in just the click of a button, in just the space that it takes for each of those people to sit down and press connect. And so the projects that we do as a, um, as a purpose-bound community can become very big and very impactful. It'll be interesting to see what kinds of projects the podcaster collective starts to engage in. Um, 
And as you engage in those projects, you will become more than just a collective. You'll become a community. You'll start to care about each other. Um, and that brings us to the fourth element. The fourth element is common value. Um, value, singular, not values, uh, the stand-in word for morals. Um, value is the value that you bring to the community by showing up yourself and the value you receive from the community for your membership. What's important here is that, um, Denise, when you and I are in the same community standing right next to each other, you personally, Denise, have to receive value from me personally, Lucas, in order for this to stand. So the community is, is always improved with each new member. That's really I'm interesting, about right? That. Yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. actually, you know, I'm rarely at a loss for words, but I think that just did it. Keep going. <laughs> awesome. So, so value, um, and value could be profit, right? So this is where community and corporation might intersect. This is where the opportunity for a corporation to be a community and get the benefits of community might intersect. You show up to work to get a paycheck, that is receiving value, um, and then you contribute to your corporation with the work that you do that is giving value. Um, but that's just a very basic level. Um, as community deepens, the value that's shared and received also has to deepen. So this is that opportunity for us looking at the community of business, the community of your business, um, the community of the way your business builds and shares its service needs to up-level as the community deepens. And then the fifth one, um, and this one's actually very cool, I like it a lot, is it's called common heart. In this case, heart is a stand-in, it's a placeholder. Um, because we in English don't actually have a good word for the thing that I'm trying to describe with this. Um, there are actually other languages that do have a good word for this. Uh, my favorite is Greek, and the word is philotimo. Um, so common heart describes uh, sort of a, again, because we don't have a good word for it in English, it's, it's kind of complex. You're, you're receiving care from the community and giving care to the community. Um, and so what that means is, let's say, Denise, you and I are um, part of a community and, you know, six, seven, eight of us are going to show up every Saturday morning and drink some coffee together and you don't show up. So I'm going to pick up the phone and call you not because I'm an accountant and I have a checklist in front of me and your name hasn't been checked, but because we're in community and I actively care that you're there. I care that you show up. I care about you specifically as a person. And when you don't show up, I miss you. So that's giving care. Um, and then on the reverse side, when you receive that phone call, you pick it up because you know that I care. And that's making space within yourself to receive care. Um, but common heart is more than just sharing and, and um, receiving care. It's also um, showing up to the community projects with the intent and commitment to do the right thing for the community, um, doing your work with honor and pride. So when I when I described this fifth one, Common Heart, to uh, a, a very well-known 
uh, international community builder. She heard that and said to herself, huh, out loud, of course, we were talking. She said, huh, that sounds like what citizenship should be. Bingo. Yeah. I, I, it, it, was a, it was a beautiful realization to me. I agree. That's what citizenship should be. I think that um, most people subscribe citizenship to their nation, and nations are so large that the idea that you showing up or not showing up would matter to anyone is a little bit silly. Well, but at we the need to, level, when, when we're at common heart level, we need to commit meaningful time and energy. Mm-hmm. Okay, keep going. Well, that's the five. Okay, so... so um, review, language, purpose, project, value, heart. Those are the five. How long did it take for you to discover all of this? Because I'm listening to you, Lucas, and I'm thinking, well, yeah. But like anything else, we don't see it until we see it. It's interesting how long it can take us to find something that's just so perfect and so common sense and say to yourself, what the heck? Why didn't I know this? Well, the truth is you did know it. You just didn't articulate it until you did. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, but now that we have something to talk about, build, build language about, tell stories inside our heads around, um, I find in my own life, it's so much easier for me to um, create the space in my heart um, in order to engage in community. And see, when we first started talking about this, I know you probably felt what we down here call a whole body free song is a flinch. You're like, <gasps> when you said community, I thought, no, 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 no. No, I don't want to go. <laughs> so, I'm not shy. I just am really a really committed introvert, and I really do need to be alone. I like to be alone. Solitude has always been my favorite place to be. But I love the way you the talk other, about it. I'm a committed well, introvert. <laughs> oh, I am. I am highly committed. I mean, I am not budging no. from that either. But here's the the thing. I still want and need to meet people. I still want and need to learn from other people. I still want to, you know, set mutual relationship expectations and share my successes and failures and what contributed to those. We all have that need. And that's, Mm -hmm. from what I'm understanding from you, part of community. Show your butt up however it is going to look for you. Show up and participate. I I couldn't have said it better myself. Show your butt up. <laughs> you can have that. It's a southern thing. Show your butt up. <laughs> but, that's so right. That's, that's the sixth we're element. At, <laughs> yeah. You show your butt up. Yeah, you can have that one. How do these elements, and I think we've covered some of this a bit, but how do these elements build and support business? We're not just talking about us on a personal level, which, of course, becomes part of your business level because I frankly do not believe in separating, you know, I don't believe in work-life balance. You're all in for both of it as far as I'm concerned. I don't see how you can separate them. But, and that's just me talking. But how do you separate business with these things? Because you need to show your butt up, right? I like that. Uh, 
<laughs> Show your butt up. It's a, it's fantastic. Yeah. Um, business is business is great. So the the most powerful businesses I've looked at um, throughout history used community. Um, and I don't think the businesses were using it in air quotes. I don't think that they were trying to take advantage of community. I think that it, it was an accident that they stumbled across this idea that if people are meaningfully engaged in their work, that they perform better. A complete accident. I don't think business really even cares about that un until it starts to matter at the bottom line end. turns out that it does. It matters a lot. And there are different ways that you can build that. Um, years ago, part of what you could do to build that would be to, to just create reward systems inside your business that were so powerful that people would show up because they cared about their reward systems. Um, and, and while that's true today, it looks differently. It's, it's no longer about paying a lot or um, making sure that somebody is enrolled in, you know, a, a, a retirement account that's going to treat them really well as long as they do their 20 years. It's, it's much more than that. Um, we, we have this extraordinary abundance in the world today. I mean, truly a, a level of abundance that is unimaginable from, a, from an animal perspective. Um, you know, side note, the, the world right now produces 2,700 calories per person per day of food, 2,700 calories. So that's 35% that's, uh, more calories is produced per person per day than is necessary to live comfortably, not just survive, but live comfortably at 2,000 calories a day. We have, we have such astonishing abundance that we no longer need to worry just about base pay. Maybe we should, but we don't need to. And so, um, we've started casting about, you know, throwing our arms out and throwing our legs out. And, and in some ways, in a very real sense, we're throwing a little bit of a tantrum because we want something other than just pay. And um, in, in this case, I actually agree. I, I think that this tantrum is warranted. Not all tantrums are, but this one is. So um, what businesses right now can do that, that, that really explodes their um, impact in the world is by studying and understanding these elements of community and making sure that they incorporate this inside their business in order to really turn up the opportunity for their employees, their executives, and their customers, all three, right, this, the groups of stakeholders in the business, in order for all three of those groups of stakeholders to be engaged in the business. Now, what does that look like? Well, um, have you ever noticed that iPhone users, Apple users, have a unique language? They, they talk about the world from a very specific perspective and includes the perspective that they've built as product users of the Apple company. This is a great example of how that unique language and building that unique language creates the opportunity for those customers to get in and stay in the community of the Apple company. Give me some examples. I, mean, I have an iPhone and several iPads, but if I'm using a particular point of view or language, I'm not aware of it. 
awesome. Um, the I in everything. Um, ah, so me personally, gotcha. it's, it's, yeah, right. It's in everything. Um, I'm not an Apple user. And uh, when I want to listen to music or something, I open up my music app and I call it just opening up my music app because that's what it is. It's an app for playing music. But you don't open your music app, do you? No, I just click something on my phone or my iPad. And what is that something? That would probably be Apple. It, but it's, it would be iTunes. It's an app that's on, you know, that I've got on both of them. Yep. Um, iCloud. iTunes. iCloud. There's uh, that. Yep. iTunes, definitely. And, you know, here's the the thing. I mean, I really try not to use my my cell phone very often. In fact, I found it the other day on top of the dryer. I just don't use <laughs> it. And I don't... <laughs> this is going to sound strange. You buy a $1,000 phone and then you hide it. And I don't give my cell phone number to anybody. There's about five people in the world that have it. To me, that's my private place. You can't call me on my cell phone at all hours. Leave me alone. <laughs> but mm-hmm. I use the heck out of it. And I think a lot of people don't really understand that what our phones are really just a series of apps. I mean, that's how you're going to maneuver around in those things. But I do have, you know, the the important apps on there. How do I listen to music? How do I find podcasts? You know, how do I find my friends? You know, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter. I mean, I have all of those things. Mm-hmm. And then I hide the darn thing. It's on top of the dryer. I found it. It was on top of the dryer underneath mm-hmm. Some warm laundry. I looked all over for it. That's amazing. Yeah. Um. So. So it's that it's the building of that unique language that makes it really easy for people to get really deep into your ecosystem. Um, and somebody might look at that and say, oh, well, that's branding. And it is. It's absolutely correct. That is branding. Mm-hmm. From a community perspective, it's not branding. It's unique common language. So we've taken that in business speak. We've taken that unique common language of community and we've rephrased that as branding. And, and it's not wrong. It is branding. Mm-mm. But the way that it builds and support community isn't branding. It's the common language of community. So that's that first one. Do you think Apple knew that when they started? Because they're very good at branding and getting you to buy really expensive phones over and over again. I mean, I wait till my last mm-hmm. one died, and then I go buy another one. I'm just not that silly. But, you know, there is an entire world full of people who will stand in line to get the next most expensive iPhone, which I don't understand, but... There it is. But do you think when they started this that they that was going to be part of their brand to build these massive, massive common purpose, common language groups of people who will buy anything they've got? Or was it an accident? I don't know. Um, somewhere in between. I've, I've watched, a, even though I'm not an Apple user, Steve Jobs was an absolute marketing genius. And anybody he who was. doesn't study him is missing out on an opportunity to, to, to watch true genius as it was 
uh, building and forming. And in fact, as it was being rolled out, because he was very public, um, he, uh, uh, so, so yes and no. Um, yes, he knew what he was doing from a branding perspective. He knew what he was hoping for in terms of the creation of um, a group of people who subscribed to that brand. And I'm using that language intentionally because he didn't know that that was a, a, an element of community and that he was hijacking, not in a bad way, but he was hijacking a thing that is hard-coded into us. And that's what community is. It's hard-coded into us. It's core to being humanity. He was hijacking a piece of that in order to build that subscription, people who will show up every single time something's released. Um, now, see, that makes sense. I mean, and yeah. I don't know if hijacking is, is more he was incorporating something that he didn't actually have a real idea yet of what he was doing. It probably came to him along the way, but I don't know. I mean, I find him fascinating. I really do, along with Elon Musk. I mean, these people just do things that the rest of us are like, what? What the heck? Where did that yep. come from? And it's fascinating, but... He somehow, and you know, by all accounts, Steve Jobs was not a people person either. He didn't really <laughs> need to be around people or even like people very much from what I can tell. But he had a great grasp on how we operate, didn't he? He sure did. Um, and he used that common language better than anyone I've ever seen, including Elon Musk. Interesting. Okay, keep going. Yeah. Um, so the first one is build that common language. And um, it's not just branding. Uh, so I'll continue beyond here because um, there are some pieces of this that can be done um, that can be done well and will reward you even better than what Steve Jobs did because he took that branding and ran with it um, to, to depth that nobody had ever before seen. And in fact, maybe still nobody has touched. He, he may still be the best brander, the best marketer that has ever been, but there's more. Um, so, and this is something that Elon Musk does extraordinarily well. The second one is purpose. So um, it's not just branding. Elon Musk has incorporated purpose into the way that he has built his corporation. The purpose is um, to use the technology out there in a way that is both a sexy um, and he does that intentionally and and b in alignment with the things that we culturally think are important so he's focused on building technology in a way that's in alignment with what we culturally think are important he's not pushing the, the envelope he's not trying to help us decide what's important he's just figured out what we think is important and built that purpose of what we think is important right into the core of his companies. So that second one is purpose. And that, again, we look at that and we're like, oh, that's just branding. It is not just branding. It's way more than just branding. It is, it is a core element of community and it goes to the core of humanity. Now, Elon Musk has so, not done as good a job of building common language as Steve Jobs did. Elon no, Musk has done I think a much get there. better job. He may, yeah. or, or he, he may not care. He's done a much better job of figuring out what is 
important to us right now in building that as the purpose of his company? Well, and that leads me to just another random thought, but you need to know your purpose. Why are you presenting? What are you presenting? And until we have at least a fair idea of what our purpose is about just about anything, we're just kind of running around, you know, throwing sparkles in the air and hoping something lands. I do love sparkles. (laughs) I figured you would. (laughs) But, I mean, think about that because we all live without a strategy, without a purpose. You can't have a strategy until you have a purpose. And I've struggled with what is my purpose. I struggle with it all the time, and I probably will until my attitude about life is I am not going to give up anytime soon. I fully plan on dying asleep at 100 years old, still planning world domination. That's not really a plan, <laughs> so I've got I've got to rethink my strategy. But we need mm-hmm. to have these strategies, don't we? And where do we start with that? Yeah, um, yeah, hundred percent. Purpose first. Uh, if you if you know where you want to go, then all of the ways to get there become um, potentially visible, and you get to choose one. I'm I'm a professional strategist, and and I don't help people find their purpose. That's not what I do. But once they've chosen a purpose, I help people figure out how to get there. See, so that makes first. sense. But how do you find your purpose? And I know you don't help people with it, but when I tell you I've struggled with it, I'm not kidding. Part of it, I think, just my own random observations about myself, is that I've got a squirrel brain. You ought to see it in there. It's mm. ugly. I mean, my poor squirrel brain wears me out. <laughs> I've got so many things that I do and can do and shouldn't do that sometimes just sitting down and calming down saying, okay, what is my true purpose? The big one, then the subsets of purpose. Wears me out. It really does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, purpose is one of the things that, that you and um, – the other guests of the ultimate credibility boot camp that you attended in December um, really start to engage with in a meaningful way. So um, in that case, I do actually help people find their purpose. I was going to argue with you, but I wanted you to figure that out on your own. So good. <laughs> good. That was a good job. But yeah, this yeah. in credibility nation, which it was a, a three or four day, I can't remember now, it's three days. And then the end was kind of a, a you know, recap you guys are asking questions and putting us in groups and me going, oh, geez, now I have to think about this. It was really great. I mean, I really came away from a lot of different things. And kind of this goes back to what I said earlier. We know what we know, but we don't necessarily put it together in a timely fashion. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly it. Um, And I think – so there are ways to help people find their purpose and to engage with that conversation over a, a short or even a long period of time, uh, depending on how deeply you want to go. Um, and, and I've talked about a few different ways to do it. My favorite way to talk about it is this. Um, do journaling. And not just any kind of journaling. Do a very specific type of journaling, which is what I like to call the BIG journal. Um, And so at the end of every day, uh, focus deeply on the the things that brought you um, 
introspection, the things in, in your life that really caught your attention, um, and then the things that um, you're grateful for at a daily level. And then once a week, review your daily journals and um, pay attention to the things that have shown up regularly and write them down. And once a month, write them, write down the things that showed up at a weekly level. So what you're doing is taking something that is very subjective and um, capturing data points on it. It's actually kind of cool. What are the things that um, caught my attention? What are the things that made me introspective? Uh, what are the things that made me, uh, or for which I am grateful? Um, very, very subjective. But uh, when you start capturing those data points, you're going to start to see over time there are trends, things that show up. And typically, your purpose is something that shows up in those trends over long periods of time and shows up powerfully. It's kind of cool. What is the so idea? Me, what does that sound, what does that mean? What does that, how do you, I know it's, supposed to mean something bid i can't i'm trying i'm writing it down going i have no idea what he's talking about there um uh it's for um to me big is um oh gee okay yeah, oh big journal okay that makes more sense yeah big big brought me introspection and gratitude Got it. Now that I get, that I completely understand. But you know, what you're talking about is by tracking it, and you're a big guy for data points. I mean, you're very, data is, is your life practically. But what what I'm hearing from you is that once you start paying attention to it, because things slide by, you're like, oh, you know, I bought a silver Range Rover. Nobody else in town has one. Guess what? drive down the street, you're going to see four of them that you never saw before. That's just the way life <laughs> goes. It's just mm-hmm. it's like, oh, I got something special. But if you're not paying attention and you're not paying attention to what I call God winks, those things that just kind of drop into your yes, mind, they God drop winks. into your heart. Oh, my God, yep. yes. I'm telling you, <laughs> I live by those things. And if you're not paying attention, if you're not writing them down, if you're not keeping track, you're losing data, and you're losing very important data. Yeah, um, 100% losing data, and and this is where things really start to get fun. You're missing out on an opportunity to do some hacking. So you Ooh, pointed out. Keep going. You're driving this, <laughs> I don't want to hack anything, but I do have a computer science degree, so you, you're speaking my language now. Yeah. So you pointed out, you, you went and bought your silver Range Rover, then you drove down the street and you saw four more of them, and you'd never seen it before. And chances no, are, I was very they, upset. I thought I was so darn special. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> um, chances are those four silver Range Rovers were already there, and you just didn't see them. This is what's called never confirmation bias. Oh, okay. That's it. I'm writing that down. Keep going. Confirmation bias um, is something that we talk about negatively, but the way that it works inside of our brain is an opportunity for biohacking. It's an opportunity for you to um, drop, let's call it, a little bit of a seed 
and give yourself an opportunity for that seed to mature, to germinate, to bloom. So the first version of confirmation bias that most people interact with is the one that you just mentioned. I bought, I'm, I'm so excited. I bought my silver Range Rover. I'm driving down the street and oh damn, now there are four others. Here's a way to hack that. When you do your journaling at the end of the day, and this is why gratitude is the last one on that list, if you journal about gratitude, you're dropping a seed. And now you're using that part of your brain confirmation bias to start looking for things that you're grateful for. And it will. And it'll find them and it'll say, oh, that thing that you, you find gratitude in, here, here's some more of it. That is true. And you'll start being happier. That is absolutely true. And I, one of the very first things that I do in the morning when I wake up for the final time, I'm not a big sleeper, I can't nap. But when I know I'm going to actually open my eyes, jump out of bed and go, you know, hit the world, I have learned, and I learned this from another podcast guest probably 10 years ago, but it made such an impact on me, that he healed himself literally from a life, life-threatening disease, you know, an issue. And he said he did it with extreme gratitude, and I caught on that. So now when I wake up that first thing in the morning after I move the cat off of my bladder is to speak out loud what I'm grateful for that day, what I'm going to be grateful for. It makes a big difference in how you view your day. Oh, so much. And uh, um, I'm glad you brought this up because that's a real thing. It's not just hokum. It's not just woo-woo. No, it's not. Um, as above, so below. As out, so within. Uh, our bodies... And this is something nobody spends time thinking about, but our bodies are, I'm going to put some emphasis on this, multicellular bodies. And we behave internally in community. Each of our cells is capable of, theoretically, I mean, they, they don't do this anymore, but each of our cells is theoretically capable of surviving entirely on their own. And what that means is that they're choosing they're choosing to stay in community as this, um, you know, three trillion cell multicellular body. If we do a great job of supporting that community with things like gratitude and um, reducing the stress hormone, cortisol, again, with things like gratitude, then the community will support us back. It will be greater than the sum of its parts. We could be just this three trillion cell primordial soup, but instead we're this really extraordinary body that's able to do things that a primordial soup can't do. We are greater than the sum of our parts. We really are. And all of my life I've heard you are what you think, you are what you drink, you are what you eat. All of those are so true. And the stuff we eat these days, honest to God, if you're going to go to the grocery store and you're leaving the vegetable section out, you know, the, the whole produce section out, and you're spending time over there with all those pretty boxes, just lick the boxes. There's no more nutrition than you're going to get than just lick them when you're done. <laughs> Don't eat that stuff. I remember, uh, I think it was in the 90s, and this was world-changing 
um, an article was written, early 90s, an article was written that said that the um, cereal box of Wheaties was um, equally valuable to the Wheaties cereal inside nutritionally. I've always felt that. I mean, the the more <laughs> colorful the boxes are, the bigger trouble you're going to have if you ingest that stuff. And I'm not seeing completely bypass it, but be careful about what you eat. Drink plenty of water. Water's, I mean, listen, I love water. It's my favorite beverage. I'm always, I jump in the shower and I'm grateful that I have water, that I have great mm. water pressure, that I have a hot water heater. I cannot go into my shower or my bathtub without saying thank you. I'm so grateful for that. And when I drink water, it may be out of the hose, it may be out of the sink, it may be out of a bottle, it doesn't matter. I always say thank you. Water's important, very important to me. I agree. We don't do so well without water. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> I have a friend, bless her heart, she she does not like water. She won't drink it, and she drinks constantly diet Dr. Pepper, and I kept telling you, you're going to kill yourself with that stuff. And she would see me opening up a bottle of water, and she would actually shudder. She does not like water. I've never. She's the only person I've ever met like that. She's dead serious. She doesn't like it. Amazing. That's what I say. What, I keep what? checking to see if she's still alive. <laughs> I I hope she is, since she's your friend. She is. We connect on um, Facebook quite a bit. But man, I wish she would. You know, dilute the diet Dr. Pepper with water. I don't know, but she's just not going to give it up. Uh, you know, more power to her. Yeah, I think. Yeah. All things being equal, I think her, um, if she if she is grateful for it and um, fills her mind and her spirit with love every time she drinks it, the way you do with your water. It probably still helps her, not as much as water would, but it probably still helps her. And that's what I'm thinking. You know, we if we're gra- grateful for what we've got and we want to do something different and we want to strive for more, we have those opportunities. But just gratitude in the moment, I think, is just so critical. So, so, yeah. so, so critical. And so many people these days, and I try to stay off of a lot of social media just because of all the bitching and moaning it's like really you woke up today and that's what you're going to share with the world really i don't want anything to do with you (laughs) so well said um yeah uh the the third way that these elements of community can be incorporated into and bring value into businesses um i i've i've been on a couple of different sales teams throughout my career, uh, particularly on Wall Street. And one of the things that sales teams often do, and I wish I saw this outside of sales teams, but it works for them. Um, and it, it would work, I think, very well for other teams that are not sales oriented. Um, one of the things sales teams do is that they have a morning stand up, but it's not about work. It's not about productivity. It's about hype. And um, you you know, the way these sales teams do it, maybe that turns people off a little bit. So people don't take the value out of that and try to recreate it in ways that are valuable. These, you know, these sales teams, they get together, they, they play loud music, they, they pump their fists in the air and, and make, you know, guttural animal sounds. Um, And certainly there are ways that this can be, you know, 
pre-engineered that will suit other teams better. But what these people are doing is a project as a community. And it's actually deepening their engagement inside that team from a community perspective so that when they go out and produce, they're not just producing for themselves, they're producing for their community, the people that they stood in a circle with in the morning, listening to loud music, jumping up and down, feeling the energy of the moment, getting hyped up and excited with. It's a project. See, that makes sense. I've never actually seen it. I've heard of it happening. And me being me, I would you'd see me leaving the building quickly. But, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I... I understand how that could be part of community. And I think what we're talking about here, Lucas, is that community is everywhere. doesn't matter if you're an introvert. doesn't matter if you're an extrovert. doesn't matter if you're employed or not employed. Married, divorced, doesn't matter. Community is everywhere. But you need to choose your communities, don't you? You do need to choose your communities. Absolutely. Community is everywhere. The opportunity for community is everywhere. But you're right, you need to choose. You need to opt in. You need to decide that that is for you and enroll. And right, and if it's not for you, take off. You don't need to stay. Take off. Yes, that's exactly right. Yep. Okay, um, we have got about two minutes left. I'm probably going to get you to come back again, you know, maybe at the end of the quarter or something, because I still have so many questions about community, and I know you are still really working with building this community. So would you come back when I ask you, maybe in about three or four months? Oh, yes. I would love to. You know, I did this on the radio, so you can't tell me no. It would be very rude. Mm, That's true. Yeah. (laughs) The thing is, you you know me, and and if you asked me personally not on the radio, I, I still would have said yes. I know, and thank you. Listen, we've only got about two minutes, so I wanted to talk with you about your podcast. I love it, yes. Okay, so Um, you're just starting with it, but you're building a community with that. There's that word again. What are your plans for it? Where are you going to go with it, and how will it benefit? I'm... I'm so excited about it. So season one, I just finished. There's 30 episodes. Not, I didn't quite do an episode a week because I'm still getting up to speed. Um, my focus in season one was mostly on business owners, and, and I had some really amazing conversations, loved every minute of it. Season two. My focus in season two is specifically to interview um, deeply community-connected grandmothers, I have a theory that grandmothers do a better job building community. It's just a theory. I don't have any proof of this. Grandmothers do a better job building and supporting community than other people. And so I well, want to spend season experience. two focusing on that. They yeah. have a lifetime of experience. They do. And you are very big on helping female entrepreneurs, so I can understand where you're going with this. That's pretty exciting. Absolutely. I am very big on it. Lucas, you've got um, to so that's stuck. what I want to do with season two. <laughs> when yeah. does that start? Do you, listen, before before I get way ahead of myself, do you, are you looking for any particular types of grandmothers? Because you know 
I can make recommendations to people from all over the world. Mm. Yes, please. I am absolutely okay. looking for them. Okay, I will make a um, list and send you some, some people that I think might be really great for your podcast. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> all right, well, yeah. we are... You know, look for me to do that probably later on today. So, Lucas, where can people find you before I let you go? And do you have anything else that you want the audience to know before we end this uh, this particular episode? Well, yes. Uh, here's a teaser to uh, encourage you to bring me back and to encourage your listeners to stay connected so that they'll hear me later. Um, I think that Abraham Maslow was wrong when he built his hierarchy of needs. We had that conversation off off camera, so to speak. Let's put that down for the next time. So touch yeah. on it a bit, and then we're going to definitely talk about that on our ne- next conversation. Yes. Um, and then you guys can find me at elementsofcommunity.us, which I thought was pretty clever because it's us. It is. Okay, so and your website, where can people find you? That's elementsofcommunity.us. But you also have lucasroot.com, right? I I do. You are right. Okay. (laughs) What would I do without you? (laughs) I'm telling you, I'm just the smartest person in the room right now. I live alone. I can say that with impunity. (laughs) And nobody can call me wrong. So listen, everybody, thank you. Lucas, thank you so much for being here again, and I'm really looking forward to having you come back soon. It's been wonderful speaking with you as always, and I thank you for all of the terrific tips and the advice that you shared with our audience. And before we say goodbye, I would like to remind our audience to be sure to look for us in iTunes. See, I, I'm an I, I girl. iTunes, mm-hmm. Pitcher, anywhere you consume your business podcast. The truth is, you can't throw a stick on the internet without hitting your part in Success Radio. So find us, find Lucas, and take us along on your success journey. Lucas, thank you so much. Thank you, Denise. Get your voice heard. If you would like to launch your own far-reaching podcast, contact Denise Griffiths at yourofficeontheweb.com and go to the podcast tab. 